What's going on, Straight Talk? Your host, your boy, George McKay, back in studio again today, pre-recorded. Very excited to have this gentleman on the show. He is one-fourth of the panel of Aftermath on Sportsnet. So if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. It's one hell of a show. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Anthony Corelli, Jimmy Corderas. Now I can add this man to the list. And I'm very excited to bring him to Straight Talk. Let's not waste any time. Please welcome Mike Nug Nargang. I hope I said that right. Yeah, 100% correct. Way to go. Yes, yes. There's a first first time for everything. <laughs> yeah, I checkmarked it off the list 100%. How are you, sir? Welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling. Oh, thanks for having me, George. I, I'm doing well. It's a, it's a very odd experience to be mostly doing anything like this over the computer. Uh, I, I like having a coffee and meeting in person, but if it has to happen this way, I'm on board. You know what? That's the one cool thing that COVID has been. It's freed up a lot of people's schedules and people that I've been trying to kind of get after for a few months or a few weeks, if you will, finally been able to cross them off the list. And now I can definitely checkmark you. So I'm excited to have you to the show because there's a lot of things happening in wrestling these days yeah. that are interesting. And you, you being one of my favorite TV personalities, I mean, there's so much more layers to you. You're a wrestling fan. You're a comedian. You're an mm. actor. Uh, uh, some people would have seen you in a lot of uh, like B sci-fi movies, but you were also in The Love Guru with uh, Mike mm. Myers, which a lot of people weren't a fan of that movie. Me being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I was excited how that movie went. I enjoyed it. Um, but just all around the fact of, I, I was able to see you in Chinlock last Father's Day weekend uh, last year. You came out with RJ City and they had that epic match against Hornswoggle. It yeah. was uh, so much fun, so much fun to see everything get introduced. And so let's just get right into it. One of the questions I always ask, uh, I call it the defining moment. And I'm sure you as a wrestling fan, you have one. Do you remember that moment that you fell in love with this business that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, uh, I had uh, moved. Uh, we moved around a lot when I was really young. We moved like I think it was from grade from kindergarten to grade four was a different town uh, every school year. And then in grade five, when I moved to town, uh, everybody was I moved to uh, Clinton, Ontario. Everybody was taught. All the kids were talking about what happened at WrestleMania. And I never and, you know, the only way to watch the last WrestleMania was to watch it on video from your local video rental house. Uh, videos are a thing that VHS, do we have to explain that? I think people sort no, of- No, we're good, we're good. Okay. We're good. You and I are from that generation, so we're good. <laughs> so uh, so I went, we went to the local video store and we rented the newest WrestleMania, which now here's where I age myself, uh, which at the time was WrestleMania 2. And so the main event was Hulk Hogan against King Kong Bundy in a steel cage. And I watched that whole show going like I'd never really seen it before I'd sort of seen it on TV here and there when we lived out at the farm we could only get three channels and a lot of it was snowy cable uh so uh here I am in a bigger town they have cable and video stores and now I'm watching WrestleMania 2 and we get to the main event of Hogan and Bundy in the cage and I was always a big kid so here's a big guy in the ring with Hulk Hogan and I'm just like <gasps> Oh, and everyone's scared of him. And I always got bullied. And I'm like, this is great. This is, I like that guy. And of course he lost. And I was like, well, I don't know. Oh, well, I guess he's a bad person. Uh, but uh, I just remember seeing that and then immediately going back to school and just saying to the kids, like, I watched it. I hadn't seen anything like it. And then they tell me it's on Saturday mornings. And then I was kind of hooked after that. We'd always watch it. We got all the figures. Uh, there was nothing for sale in my part of the 
county anywhere. So we had to drive to uh, the closest consumers distributing, if anybody remembers that store. Uh, you walked up and filled out a form and handed it to a lady, and then she'd take it in the back and go find the thing you want. It's basically curbside service. It's what we're doing right now. Uh, but that's where we got our figures, and we had all the old LJN rubber dog toys. And, uh, yeah, it was history after that. And, of course, King Kong Bundy was the most vicious of them all because he weighed— it was at least a five-pound chunk of rubber, and you could really murder your little brother with one of those. Oh yeah, I had the. Uh, I remember having the Hulk Hogan and the Hacksaw Jim Duggan that also came with the uh, rubber two by yeah, four. Two by four. So if your parents weren't looking, you could take a wicked shot at the back of somebody's head. It was almost like one of those slap bands. You could just go, bam, and <laughs> it would leave a mark. It would leave a huge mark. That's actually interesting. You know, I've interviewed so many wrestlers and so many people affiliated with the business, and nobody's ever mentioned WrestleMania two. But that one is a guilty pleasure for me. Uh, my favorite WrestleMania is ten. I'm a big Bret Hart, Owen Hart fan. Mm -hmm. So to watch the two brothers go at each other, uh, it was just incredible. Uh, that's one story that I could still watch that match 50 times over. And even though I've seen it and I know the outcome, I always watch something new. Yeah, there's oh yeah, I find that when you watch a lot of the old stuff, um, like I like two was my two was my entry. Uh, my favorite's four, the tournament. Uh, where uh, Macho Man went because you just are so cheering against the Million Dollar Man. It wouldn't have mattered who was in that final because he got the bye to the final. But also because it was a one-night tournament, and I think that's why I liked the old King of the Ring format so much because you got to see everybody and some guy earn it during the night, which was really cool. Ten's uh, great, but that whole... Um, it's so funny that there are so many people who are in love with the Attitude Era, and I'm very much a guy that grew up on the new generation, like all the garbage before it, where everybody had a second job and everything was neon. That was for <laughs> sure. That was for sure my favorite stuff. And it's no doubt like my comedy sensibilities and my when I'm on stage, my acting is all very I always say it's the Vince McMahon school of acting because the guy in the back row has to know that I'm upset. So my face has to have this monstrous upset face on it just so somebody knows in the back. But I picked up so much stuff from that. And it is ridiculous. It's a people call it a, you know, a grown-ups or men's soap opera. Uh, it's really just a bunch of stuntmen trying to act and not all of them can do it. So you put stuff on them to make them even bigger characters so that when they are overacting or not good at it, it's fine because look at them, they're monstrous. It's true. It's true. I always joke around with uh, any of my friends in the indie scene and stuff like that. I always joke around with them and say, you guys are the only sport where you wear underwear and you fight for a belt. And uh, it's kind of that weird oxymoron, but mm -hmm. it makes things just so entertaining. And you yourself are a fixture in the Ontario indie scene from your appearances at Greektown Wrestling. I've actually seen you at a crossbody show from a distance. I kind of yeah. geeked out a little bit. I was with my daughter. I was like, that's not, that's not. And she's I like, I was probably there just checking out the toys for sale. Yeah, I think you might have been. I think you might have been. You were talking to RJ City a little bit. He was there that night as well. Um, and it was just one of those moments. And I looked at her. I'm like, that's Nug. And she's like, who's that? I'm like, Aftermath TV. She's like, what? I'm, I'm usually playing Fortnite. I'm like, this is horrible. I have, to, I have to get you away from that video game and get you on TV. Is that wrong for a parent to say, I want to get you away from one television yeah. and put you on another? Put that video controller down and get away from the TV and come look at this TV for a little while. <laughs> so in terms of your uh, your break into comedy, uh, this is what intrigues me the most about sitting down with you and doing my research. I always try to prepare, but in being a fan of yours, this was a little bit easier for me to prepare for. Uh, <laughs> in terms of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and all that kind of stuff, how did that all take place? 
Well, so we were all at York University, and we were all doing, uh, there's a theater company there on campus that isn't affiliated with the theater department. So it was very much an after-school theater kind of thing, and that's how I did mine in high school. So it was for me, it was a natural fit when I saw the audition posters in my first year at York. It said auditions for it was Romeo auditions for Romeo and Juliet, and then underneath it said there will be incidental music, but <laughs> it sh it should have said incidentally this will be a musical because I went in and we fully had to sing, and I had never sung. I mean, I'll sing in the shower up to that point. Uh, and so I auditioned and I'd never really gone through a full audition process ever. So when I auditioned, the guy liked what I did. And then he said, do you sing? I said, I can, but I don't. And so he got on the piano and he banged out. He said, do you want to hear this? I still remember. I, I always mention it with this director, this old friend of mine, Fred, Fred Turry was his name. And Fred like helped choreograph the opening ceremonies to the Calgary Winter Olympics. Like he's, he's got a name. And so he he gets on the piano and says, "Do you want to hear? Uh, do you want to sing like the alphabet or Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or Ba Ba Black Sheep?" And immediately something clicked in my head, and I went, "Those are all the same song. Play the alphabet because I know the words." <laughs> he died laughing, and then he played it, and I don't think he got very far into it when he said, "We're going to start again, but I want you to sing this to me like I'm selling a car." And I remember getting to G and like miming opening the car door and like, ooh, gee, look at the inside of the car. And then he said, can you come back on Wednesday? And I went, there's more? And uh, <laughs> it was callbacks. And at the callbacks for that, for Romeo and Juliet, there was me and another guy, and we had the same look on our face, which was like, we shouldn't be here. There were some crazy talented people, and apparently people have been doing this company since the 60s, so there are like all sorts of alumni at this audition and the callback. And this other guy and I just go, you and me? Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing either. Cool. And we're just, that was 93, September of 93. And we just went, it's you and me. We're doing this. If we fail, we're going out together. And he said, that's great. And uh, we both ended up getting in it. And that ended up, that guy is uh, John Catucci, who hosts all the Food Network TV shows. So Catucci and I, uh, then we started doing all these plays together. And by our third, third time doing it, he was a year ahead of me. By his fourth year, my third year, we got into a show where we got to improvise the whole script and, like, make it up in rehearsal process. And then there were songs, and Fred took off with somebody who was more musical than us, and they wrote the songs based on our improv and came back with it. So we had a full musical, and all the scenes were written by us, and we got in very much into that. And then an uh, improv company and sketch company kind of popped up out of that. And then we started doing shows at York so much that we started going downtown and booking shows at smaller places. And John was in a group of five. I was in a duo. Uh, other guys from the Wrecking Crew, they were in another group or two other groups. And eventually when we'd show up... Uh, all of a sudden, my partner couldn't make it or two of their guys couldn't make it. We just made up a name. And, of course, wrestling on my brain. I said, we're called the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And then we would get together five minutes before a show and just write stuff. And it, we never had a script. We were just like, you say this and I'll say this and that'll be all right, whatever. That, at the end, the point is, this is how it goes. Okay, great. And then we get up on stage and do it. And pretty soon it ended up being four of us. And we ended up doing some shows and we got... Um, we got on a CBC show hosted by Kevin McDonald, and there's clips all over the internet of that. And we won some Canadian comedy awards for our nonsense. It seems very odd that we kind of stumbled into these awards from just being idiots, but 
at least finally we started getting paid for being idiots instead of giving it away for free all our lives. I think that's the that's the key factor is that you got paid instead of giving it away for free. That's Why right. a lot of people bought the cat is getting them for free, which was huge. It's a great kind of metaphor if you look at it that way. Mm -hmm. um, to kind of go on a serious subject and then kind of go back into something a little bit more lighter. Sure. Uh, in terms of your Aftermath, you know, show and everything that's kind of going on, there's just been this whole kind of thing this weekend called Speaking Out. Yes. A lot of male and female wrestlers are coming forward about harassment that they've suffered in the business from sexual to physical to mental. Um, just a whole kind of resurgence. And there's been a lot of big names that have deleted their Twitter accounts because they were getting attacked. As we all know, the Twitterverse can be wonderful. It's a great tool. But if you go against the Twitter universe, you can be buried in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I'm not going to name any names. Anybody that's out there that wants to do the research, do your research. But uh, me being a proud girl dad, I have two wonderful little girls, a four-year-old and a 10-year-old. And uh, I would never want them to go through what any of these male or female stars have gone through. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Because it is a, a hot button topic that if we're going to talk wrestling, we can't not talk about it right now. It's uh, I really uh, liken it to the uh, things that went on at St. Michael's College in Toronto uh, when it came to be. There was all this um, hazing and harassment in the locker room for the hockey team. And it got out and people videoed it and it was awful. And a lot of the defense of it was, well, this is just the way it's been. This is the way it's been forever. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way forever. And I know a lot of, especially in wrestling, a lot of the older, much older guys that are still around are like, oh, if I can't take it, get out of the business. But you, your time is over and there's a new time happening in wrestling where people don't want to be handled this way, don't want to deal with the harassment, don't want to have to do that stuff. It's a very, it used to be a way to keep people out of the business. And I don't know why you want to keep people out of a business that could use more people and it could use more attention. Could any, any able-bodied human being that could get out there and do what these guys are doing should be out there doing it to bring more eyes to the product and at every level. From, from the TV shows to the indie shows, it doesn't matter. But to actively try to force people away from this is so stupid. And it's not something that needs to happen forever. It's something that needs to stop. And it's gone beyond, oh, it's the business. It's a human decency thing. It's just being a decent, good person to other people. It, it seems to be such a foreign concept to so many areas of our life and in the world you could just be treat somebody else the way you'd want to be treated and if you're doing that to another person and you don't want to be treated that way don't do it it's very simple it's so hard to see it's so hard for me to see so many people i know on both sides of it people who have been hurt by this and people who hurt those people uh that i know personally it's hard to watch uh, it's, it's funny that I always say, you know, when I go to a wrestling show now in any indie show, any, any show, WWE to the indies anywhere, my whole deal is I show up. I, if I'm doing something, I do it at the end of the night, I take off. I'm not interested. I'm going home. I'm not interested in hanging out and watching the shenanigans happen. I'm not interested in being a part of the shenanigans. I don't want to know what's happening. Uh, it's just the, the show is the show. And when we're done, we should go home. But a lot of people want to 
continue this outside the ring stuff and it's unnecessary, completely unnecessary. I agree with you 100%. And the worst part about it is, is, is that until, as we know, some claims, not in this particular situation right now, but as we've seen in past, people, uh, Kobe Bryant, for example, way back in the day was accused of something that he was acquitted for, never happened. Turned out the girl was lying. There's a whole bunch of stories that we could go into. And then there's factual evidence of people being give, given actual factual evidence and then still getting told, no, it didn't happen. It's not true. So it kind of goes both sides. So right now, a lot of claims are unsubstantiated. We're still waiting on, the, I guess, the jury to be out on those situations. But it's hard to now judge. It's hard not to judge anyone. And that's what I, I hate about social media. And that's what I hate about everything, because the victims are still being victimized, but now by a broader audience. And then the people who have, have come out and owned up to their stuff. Uh, most recently, I, I just read the tweet about 20 minutes before you and I went on, Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara from AEW came forward and said, you know what, I crossed the line. I said some stupid shit. And I apologize to Sasha Banks, and her and I had a conversation. We don't know what was said, but we know it was something on the negative end of the spectrum. And some tweets are praising him. Some tweets are, like, burying him. They want him gone, want him fired. And it's not necessarily the right answer, but I think it's the answer that a lot of companies are going to do. There's stuff going on with Joey Ryan right now. I don't see him lasting in Impact Wrestling very much longer. I, and it, and it, it, pay, it pities me. I'm just not sure how to handle the whole spectrum. And to get your perspective is a wonderful asset, I think. It's a, it's a very strange situation. Like, the, if the problem is between two people and those two people have handled it, if the offender has apologized or whatever, then that's between them. And I don't think the rest of us have the, like... He said it, he's sorry. Well, he should still pay for what he said. He did. He had the conversation and apologized, and he's owning up to what he did. But on the other hand, if someone did something so horrendous and they've never owned up to it and still deny it, and the person who they've hurt, if the victim says what happened, like, until we hear the whole story, you really only have the one person's side versus the other person's side. And telling telling a story, hearing a story, there's three sides to every story. There's side A, side B, and what happened. And so one person's experience of what happened, positive or negative, it will color their experience. Now, as far as I'm concerned with all the victims, I'm listening and I'm believing the victims, but I, I don't think the victims are doing this for clout. There's a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, you're doing this for popularity. You're doing this for attention. This is not the kind of attention anybody's trying to get. You know, you don't want attention where you come out, bare your soul, talk about all the horrible things that happened to you, and then have to deal with everything after. We know this is how it works. I know there are people out there who have had stuff happen to them, and they don't want to come forward because they don't want to deal with the repercussions of all these idiots on Twitter coming after them, saying they're doing it for the, whatever reason and calling them names and, and harassing them even more. It's the last thing they want. They just want the person who hurt them to confess and say what they did and own up to it instead of pretending like nothing happened. Yeah, that's one rule I, I kind of teach my kids, and that was taught to me by my parents, was you make a mistake, you own it. Because the more you try to skate around it, the more that lie builds. Then it becomes hard to untangle that web. And then you're just caught in so many lies that you don't even remember your original lie. Well, that's, that's old. Yeah, I was always taught you don't lie. If you lie to so many people, you'll never remember what lies you told what people. So it's just easier to tell the truth. 
Yeah, and that's what I do. I, I use that practice in my everyday life, and I preach that to both my daughters. And I'm yeah. proud to say my 10-year-old does it. My 4-year-old, she's still trying to get the concept, but uh, <laughs> she will. I mean, the other day, she ripped Barbie's head clean off her body. And when I asked her what happened, she said, it wasn't me, it was the dog. And yeah. I have a four-pound four uh, Yorkie, or not Yorkie, sorry, Maltese. It's very hard for her to rip that head off that doll. But I looked at the dog, and the dog had its tail down, and I said, no, I don't believe the dog did it. You did it. You just got tired of Barbie. She was like, did. The hair was all tangled, and I just went, Pfft. and I said, see, doesn't it feel better? You told the truth? It does. Perfect. Go to a timeout. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, I, I just, to everyone that's out there speaking out, I want to say thank you. I want to say I'm behind you as well. And to everyone that is owning up, bravo for you to come forward and say, yeah, you know, I did cross the line. I said something stupid. And for all of you that are still trying to defend your point or have your families fighting your battles or belittling these victims, that's not right in any shape or form. Not at all. And any of, any of you that are doing that, you should rethink your strategies. Because as much as the internet is a wonderful place, all you keyboard warriors do not help the situation. Oh, I don't. I, I, you've said it a couple of times now. The internet is not a wonderful place. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful place when you, it's a wonderful place when you're doing research about Nug and the and the oh, Minnesota wrecking crew. There's lots of dumb stuff to look up about me. <laughs> well, you know what? I love your improv. I love your comedy shows. I had the uh, opportunity to see you at one of the comedy shows, but unfortunately, one of my kids fell sick, so I was never able to attend one of those shows. But I hope when the world gets back to whatever this new normal may be, uh, that I could see you and I could see uh -oh. you in person and I could take a picture with you and I could say, "Hey, remember when I had this guy on my show? It was super awesome." And your Super. daughter still won't know who I am, no. uh, which is fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't wait. That's one of the things that I really miss right now. Uh, I, I, you know, there's a running Friday night show, a comedy bar called uh, Catch 23, and I love doing that show. And I've been doing a show called Improv Karaoke with a live band. And, you know, you walk up and ask for a suggestion from the crowd or like of a topic. And then I think the first time I ever went up, I said, uh, what's something? It was around Christmas. And I said, what's something horrible that happens at Christmas? And somebody said, a car crash. And then I turned around and said to the band leader, that sounds like a meatloaf song. And so they started playing a meatloaf song, and I just made up the whole song. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's a fun show. That's a really fun show. I, I, I miss doing that one. That's a show that when it comes out, you you let me know because I'm going to buy two front row tickets for me and my <laughs> little girl. Absolutely. Uh, carpool karaoke is one of the things we love. We love uh, James Gordon when he does that stuff and even the carpool karaoke show. It's a great thing. Uh, to go to a lighter side, there is something very exciting happening in the Ontario indie scene. It actually premiered last week and you are very affiliated with it. Yes. And as you already know where I'm going with this, it's Backyard Pro Wrestling, created by the man that I have dubbed the Tarantino of indie wrestling, Mr. Von <laughs> Vertigo. He has, uh, I, I think it's picture perfect, really. I'm a huge Tarantino fan. So to see that style and the way things were done, I mean, you got the Golden Gun Mark Wheeler. You have uh, uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy or Johnny Wheeler there being played by Gabriel Fuerza. You have Holden Pro in the mix, Alexi Nicole, um, Psycho Mike or Psychotic Mike. Those, the fight with The Rock was just epic. And then you yourself are a member of the broadcast team, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Von Vertigo, uh, he called me up and said, um, hey, could you could you do, do you ever do voice stuff? And like when I'm not, my day job is actually doing voice work. So I go, yeah. And so what do you want? So he sent me some scripts and then I did it. And then I thought, oh, I'll have some fun and I'll throw a costume together and I'll be like the studio guy, like the Lance Ryan or the uh, who is the guy? Ed Whalen from Stampede. I just, I always, lo I love those guys. And, uh, th and that part of the show where it always threw to that guy in the studio 
and then they went to the wrestling and that guy clearly filmed all his studio bits <laughs> one, like for weeks of the show in one spot in the same suit at the behind in front of the same curtain for weeks and so i sent in the voiceover stuff but then i sent three clips of me doing that in a terrible jacket i which i bought just for this purpose uh, years and years ago, like someday I'll be an Ed Whalen and I'm going to wear it. <laughs> um, and then I sent the video and the audio to, to Vaughn and he wrote back, I, I am upset that I didn't ask you to do all of it on video. Cause I love that stupid jacket character. And I said, well, okay. I'll, so I'll do it any. So I'm on episode two, which is coming out soon. And, uh, I'm, I'm doing the, I'm being this character uh what i call was so i said lance russell i love so i i call myself rusty lance and uh rusty's in the studio throwing the things and uh doing all the intros i did the voiceover for the rock against uh, hard place the old black and white there's a couple of bits where my voice comes in but then i'm going to be on screen for the next backyard pro it's so fun it was so fun to watch because you know they filmed part of it in somebody's yard, and then Tyson Dukes sends in a video of him mowing the lawn in his own yard, and it sort of matched. It Even did, though it they did. were nowhere near each other, it was fantastic. I hit up Tyson Dukes after, because he's a former guest on the show, and he's a good friend, and I hit him up, and he said, dude, you mowing the lawn? I mean, that was just genius. And he's like, thank you. He's like, thank you. I I appreciate it. He goes, I want to take all the credit, but I can't, but I'll take a lot of it. It was perfect. <laughs> the, the, he calls himself the old man of uh, the Ontario Indies, and the old man was telling kids to get off his lawn. It was perfect. <laughs> all they needed was that Clint Eastwood shotgun from Gran Torino, and then it would be even, it would be picture perfect. Oh, picture perfect. So, Nog, I want to talk to you about movies, because I'm a movie guy. I actually went to the Toronto Film School. I studied at the Toronto Film School. I am doing absolutely nothing with that, but movies are my life. Movies sure. are my life. I have a passion for it, um, and that's what kind of helped me start this podcast two years ago, which I have taken, developed, and uh, I've grown quite substantially, and I know now having you as a guest, that's a big honor for me. That's a huge <laughs> honor for me. I'm being serious right now. Take it or leave it, but I think you're one hell of a dude, and um, before I get in the next couple questions, I usually do this at the end, but I want to say now... You're now officially a member of the Straight Talk family. Oh, you have goodness. my Instagram. I have your Instagram. You have my Skype. I have your Skype. All that good stuff. Anytime you want to come back on the show and shoot the shit with me, I would absolutely love to have that, man. Love fantastic, to have that. fantastic. So movie-wise, I mean, everyone's got a genre. Everyone's got a favorite type of style of movies. But with me, I'm very eclectic. Yeah. I am a big Hitchcock fan, but I'm also a Tarantino fan. I absolutely love everything to do with Rocky. But then I can also go and appreciate a movie like Tango and Cash for its over-the-top action and the bromance between Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone. I mean, it was Academy Award-worthy, in my opinion. Sure. Um, but I also love cartoon movies. My wife and I are Disney freaks, our daughters. I have a mixed bag of stuff. So if to pose a question to you, out of all the movies that are out there in the world and all the movies that you might have seen... Hmm. What could you narrow down to say are some of your, I'm not going to say top five because that can always change. That could, everybody, that, yeah. Everybody's change. got that. Everybody's got that movie that kind of sticks out to them. That special movie from a period in their life. Like I can look back and watch the Sandlot or the Goonies and I feel like a kid again. Sure. I can watch Tango and Cash and I feel like a teenager. So I always have those moments in time where I can look back at a movie with fondness. So if you could picture those movies that kind of resonate with you yeah. throughout your history, what would you put in your, I don't know, if you could pick two or three or three or four? Well, I'm very lucky that right now uh, behind me is all this, but on the other side of this camera is 
all my DVDs, my three or four shelves of DVDs, so I can look up here and go, oh, there's some good ones. But right off the top, um, all the Zucker Abrams Zucker movies, your airplanes, your top secret, I think is better than airplane. Top secret's so good. Um, I also, uh, from the video store days back in my hometown, it was, uh, we rented terrible horror movies. And so any sort of homemade looking horror movie, uh, the ultimate being Evil Dead, which they made for like zero money, uh, Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell is right up there. Um, but also like uh, Johnny Dangerously or, uh, or Weird Al's UHF, those are very high on my list. Um, any of the Python movies, but then serious stuff, like I love the Hitchcock stuff, but I love uh, Turner Classic movies, any of the old black and whites, any of the noir stuff. I listen to a lot of old-time radio, so any of the detective movies or like the, like the uh, Maltese Falcon kind of stuff, I like that stuff. Um, serials, like the old Superman and Zorro serials, uh, westerns. I, I, again, I'm very eclectic too, but uh, – really like serious stuff i'm trying to think i love the cohen brothers the raising arizona is like one of my favorites but also um the goofy stuff from the 60s like it's a mad 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 world like that had everybody in it any made any monstrous cast for no reason where like a celebrity pops in says one line and takes off that's probably some of my favorite stuff Oh, yeah. For me, it's uh, if you want to go 60s, I got to go The Wrecking Crew with Dean Martin. Absolutely. 100 percent for sure. Right. And then um, I got to go with uh, the man, Jerry Lewis. I mean, Nutty Professor, Disorderly Orderly, a Scared Stiff with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. So good. Uh, Cinderfella, Bellboy, the list could go on and on. Yeah, I mean, the party, Art... uh, Peter Sellers in The Party. That's another one I really that, enjoyed. That. Yeah. You know what? That's one I watched in film school and I didn't understand it at the time, but I went back and watched it a few years later and I appreciated it for what it was. Yeah, I was yeah. like. I was like, this is such a movie, and that's great when a movie can resonate with you, and it's, and you can say, you can look at like somebody, like when I show my wife all these movies when we were dating, she was like, I don't understand a lot of these. She was a Jerry Lewis fan, but she like, ah, the Wrecking Crew was okay and stuff like that. But now being older, we sit down yeah. and we watch them together, and she's like, man, it really was ahead of his time. I go, it was, it really, really was, really was. And then you look at a movie like The Wrecking Crew, and you can see where Mike Myers got his inspiration for Austin Powers. 100%. There's a lot of stuff in there that goes with it, right? So uh, that's that's the one great thing about movies is that they can resonate. And now having kids, I can force them to watch what I watched when I was a kid, and they appreciate it a little bit. Well, it's variety, you know. Uh, I, I, it's not just I'm a horror guy. Like I, there are horror movies I love, but I love so much more than horror. But that for me, that's why I think wrestling is so fun because there is comedy, there is horror, there is suspense, there's technical wrestling. There's something for everybody. And uh, if you if this isn't your thing, you can take off and go get some popcorn and come back in time for the next one and see what see if you like that or stick around. Maybe this thing that you don't like, maybe this time it'll change your mind. It absolutely will. And and what the great thing about wrestling nowadays is that it's with the the resurgence of, uh, I guess, competition, if you will, AEW kind of coming into the fold. And mm -hmm. there's this competition, but it's not a competition, but it is a competition. Even though sure. nobody says it, it is. Uh, there's been this wonderful resurgence where wrestling is very pop culture again. And uh, it's almost got that attitude error feel, but with a cleaner, more HD, more polished, more sleek look. You don't have the crowd overbearing over the wrestler, so when he cuts his promo, you could barely hear him. You 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 pretty much well, not have now. there's no crowd. Not now. So that was actually leading <laughs> to my next point: is as much as we want the world to get back to normal, we miss the crowd. How well do you think the creativity has come out with all these organizations doing the no crowd stuff? Like even uh, WrestleMania, those cinematic matches, the Firefly Funhouse match, 
and the Boneyard match, which now we officially know was The Undertaker's last ride, uh, which kudos to him, 30 years in the business. Undertaker, if you ever do watch this, you are fantastic. You were a member of my childhood. You were, 100%. But um, what did you think about the creativity that's kind of come forward and what all these organizations are doing now? I love the creativity. I honestly think that WWE does its best and most creative stuff when they're backed into a corner, when they have nothing. Like, we we have no choice. We have to use what we've got. And that's what I've liked about this um, quarantine era of wrestling is that not everybody's there. You can't go to the same well all the time because this guy's not here and this guy's not here and this guy's not here. So you've got to try something else. And in trying something else, you discover this new thing. You discover this new person or you, you, it's not a new person, but it's a guy who's been around, but because you put him on TV and throw him out there and give him 15 minutes because oh, we got nothing else. Like Apollo Crews, Apollo Crews, who I've called Apollo Snooze for years, uh, knocked it out of the park with Aleister Black on one Monday Night Raw and everybody went, oh, wait a minute, he's real good. And he hasn't been good forever. But then he zooms to the top and goes right to the U.S. title, and deservedly so. He's excellent. But would Apollo Crews have even got a chance if everybody else was there? No, Probably not. not. The dance card's really full with all these superstars. And right now, some guys are like, ah, I'm going to stay home, or, oh, I'm not coming in for whatever reason, or some of them are gone now. They all got let go during you know, all these guys got let go. You can't just have every single person on the show all the time, but you can if you do it in different ways. You can throw a promo here or a cinematic match here or a, an a update here, just a backstage thing. You don't have to have every single person in the ring on every show because that leads to these five-minute matches where nobody wins or there's interference and it gets turned into a tag match and then somebody else doesn't win. And it's the same stuff you see all the time. But when backed into a corner and you have to use what's there... Sometimes the most creative stuff comes out. And, and I love the fact that, uh, like, that was the whole thing about the Attitude Era, which I kind of missed, was that a lot of guys were getting pushes because nobody else was there. And then you saw all these stars taped. What, if there wasn't an Attitude Era, would there be a Stone Cold? I don't know. Mm. I'm not sure. If there wasn't an Attitude Era, would Triple H have gone as far as he did? Once Shawn Michaels left, the spotlight was kind of on him a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, all these you're news... forced, to, forced, to, forced to deal with what you've got. Uh, I, 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 Attitude Era, I always remember, I always think about it being like Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live in the heyday with all the stars from the first two seasons of uh, all the names, all the people that became big names on that show. Not every show was awesome. It's an hour and a half, and you had maybe two great sketches and a couple of okay ones, but a lot of garbage. And if you want to go back and look at an Attitude Era show... It's a lot like that. There's a couple of good matches, some okay ones, but a lot of garbage. But we seem to romanticize the Attitude Era, and so does the WWE. They keep bringing everybody back from the Attitude Era because that's when they had the most money. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's very true. It's a little disheartening sometimes, especially when you see some of those guys from the Attitude Era who really can't function anymore. And even the last couple of years with The Undertaker, especially watching that documentary and seeing things behind the scene, I mean, he just wasn't healthy. And you just look at it and you think, you know, I'm glad AJ Styles was able to give him that final match he was looking for because now he can enjoy being a dad. He can enjoy being a husband. He can enjoy the fruits of his labor instead of mm -hmm. sitting in a wheelchair sucking food through a straw, which might have happened had he gone another match. You just don't know. And even though the careers in this business can be cut short in the blink of an eye or they could have longevity and they could become icons, there are there is a lot of dark sides 
to the story, as we've seen from the great documentary series done by some fellow Canadians like us. Uh, you know, Dark Side of the Ring, fantastic story. I just, I can't get enough of what they're doing over there, especially being an Owen Hart fan. That one was difficult to watch, but it was something that needed to be set. So in terms of all the positives that we've seen and all the negatives that we've seen from this quarantine period, we can definitely say that this is probably the most interesting and influxual period in wrestling. Because now there's all this information out there. There's all these things, all these creative juices are flowing. But now there's the companies that got to make the tough call on a lot of situations. Do we do we allow this guy on TV? There's a lot of information out there that, as fans, if this was 30 years ago, we would never know. But because of the advance of the internet and uh, information being everywhere and inside, like you, you used to have to subscribe to get a thing, a dirt, literal dirt sheet mailed to you. And the time that that took, the rumors were over and cold by the time they got to you. But now, oh, the rumors are hot, hot every day. And I don't know, much like the Undertaker documentary, there was a lot of information in that that I didn't necessarily need to know. But now I do, and I don't know what to do with this information. Uh, I would have personally would have liked to see the Undertaker retire five, six years ago. Because in my mind, he's still an undead wizard. I don't want to... I figure he's a guy with kids and a wife, but I just want to remember him in the spats and the hat and the and the trench coat. I don't necessarily need to know that, yeah, he's, you know, he's in a band and he plays on Saturdays with his pals. Like, I don't need to know that kind of thing, you know? But uh, I don't need to know half the stuff that's online every week. And then when we go to talk about it on the TV show, we have to honestly talk about what's on the show because that's what we see. That's what we're supposed to be focusing on. We can't talk about rumors. We can't talk about conjecture. We can't talk about any of that stuff. And so we, and not not because it's mandated that we don't, but because we're there to talk about the television show. And if it didn't happen on the show, why are we talking about it? Absolutely, 100%. And uh, I, I agree with that. It's a touchy subject, right? Because when you're on the show, when you're talking about the show, you're focused on that one component. But if you're allowed, if you do talk about all those other things, you're opening up so many different cans of worms that something you say could be misquoted or misconstrued in the simplest of forms. And all of a sudden it's not <laughs> condones this, not condones that, not, oh. not preferred the era when everybody was on steroids. And it's just not the case. No, I, I didn't want everybody to be on steroids. I just preferred <laughs> the characters and the storylines from that period of wrestling. Uh, I, I don't get me wrong. Absolutely. I like my wrestling clown. I want my doink the clown all the time. But um, we also, like, it's not just that, but also we're on a national television show. And if I start commenting on rumor and conjecture on a national for- platform, not only am I in trouble if I say something wrong, but then so is the network. And then the whole show gets canceled. And we don't want that show to get canceled. I know fans don't want that show to get canceled. The other balance that's always fun is, like, a fan will see me at the grocery store and, hey, I saw you. I, you're that guy on Aftermath. And I'll say, yeah. And then it there's someone who 100% believes in what's happening on that television show. They don't think that they're people playing the parts of wrestlers named Dolph Ziggler or whatever. They think Dolph's a real dude and he's a bad person. And how could you interview him when you know he's a bad person? And I have to all of a sudden flip into a new mode myself and go, well, I know he's not a very good person, but I don't, I don't like what he does. And, you know, because you, you can't just go, 
Uh, what's going on? You know what's happening, but you don't want to be the person who ruins Christmas for everybody. Yeah, you don't want to be that person that pulls down Santa Claus's beard 150%. You don't want it's that. that guy from the, it's that guy from the alley. He stinks like whiskey. No, you don't want to do that. It's funny when I see my uh, my daughter and her friends kind of talking about stuff because my daughter's got a good balance of, of guy friends and girlfriends. And um, she'll be sitting there talking with her guy friends about wrestling and some of her guy friends, they believe it so hard. It's like, man, did you see Seth Rollins? That stupid Messiah thing? I don't understand why he's doing it. And my daughter my daughter will sit there because she knows because I've educated her on it. And she'll go there, she'll sit there and she'll, she'll kind of make that face. And then I'll be off in the distance when I drop her off. I'll go, no, no. You know, don't, don't, don't do, do it do for that. them. I had that conversation with my nephew. We were out last summer, the older one, they're 10 and 9, and the 10-year-old, I'm sitting with him. We were at a Weird Al concert at Ontario Place, and I'm sitting with him, and he says, so uh, this wrestling thing, you know? And I go, yeah? And he goes, is it real? And I go, well, it, it depends what you mean, because I say what they do in the ring is very real and very athletic, and guys get hurt and stuff goes wrong. And when you're on the top rope and someone knocks you 12 feet to the floor and you land on cement that's pretty real you can't really fake gravity and he goes yeah but and i go but the reasons why they're fighting and their names and costumes and their characters that they're playing that's not necessarily real and he goes okay i think i get it and now the younger one is just starting to question it and the older one's like i'm not ruining this I'm not I'm not going to be the one. If he figures it out, he'll talk to dad or he'll talk to me or whoever. But I, he, even the older ones, like, I'm not wrecking this for him. And that's the way it should be. And the best part about it is, is that you still get some, as you said, older individuals that believe it wholeheartedly. Yep. But then you get those keyboard warriors that contradict themselves. I got in a battle with this guy on Facebook a couple weeks ago, and I, I think this is just a funny antidote to add on to your story, is he said, you know, I, I don't have time to argue cosplayers. I, I'm in it for the talent. It's like, well, now hold on a second, time out, because uh, they're all cosplayers in one form or fashion, from a fake name to the way they dress. You think Seth? You think Seth Rollins, because he's just in my brain right now. You think he strolls down the street in leather pants, wearing a glove with his hair in a man bun? He yeah, might have the one, man bun. Just one glove. Just one glove. Yes. Just not, one. Yeah. Not all. Not both. Just one. I, I always think, do something with it. If you're gonna wear one, it's there. Do something with it. But he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't done nothing yet. I'm, I'm curious to see whether... I want to see him take the glove off and then smell it and see how bad his hand smells. I want to see him take the glove off and it turns out he's got a fake hand. <laughs> well, my, my mind works differently. Absolutely. Uh, Nug, you know what, man? This has been an absolute pleasure and absolute honor to sit down and talk with you today. Uh, I'm a huge fan of you. I'm a huge fan of Aftermath. I'm a huge fan of just wrestling and to sit down and talk with somebody like you, a one-fourth member of the panel... It's an absolute honor and a privilege, sir. And I appreciate uh, the time you gave me today. Oh, uh, no problem at all. Anytime. This was great, uh, especially during this time. It's no wonder you've gotten so many people to say yes to your uh, show because we're not doing anything. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. We, we have all the time in the world. Absolutely. And you know what? I was riding pretty high a week ago with getting Vicky Guerrero on my show. That was absolutely epic. And now to sit down and say, I checked you off my list as well. It's just, I'm riding high right now. I, all I can say is as a wrestling fan, it's moments like this that keep me coming back to my show because I'm having awesome conversations. And that is what it's all about. So, Nog, while we have you on camera right now, before you go, if anybody needs to follow you or find you, where can they find you on the horrible world of social media? On the brutal <laughs> world of social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Nug Nargang. It's the same on both. Uh, 
I don't necessarily follow everybody back, but uh, I, uh, I, if I get a message, I mostly reply. Uh, it's a very odd situation. I'm keeping my distance right now, social media-wise, but I'm still posting and uh, trying to stay in contact with the world that way. But uh, we're back for Aftermath this week. We've been doing it online. Uh, little bits get recorded for the week. And then we go live on Fridays with a live chat, and you can tune in and ask us questions. It's a, it's a really good time. We love doing the live chat because it's nice to talk to our fans, and the fans always let us know what they, what's important to them, what they want to talk about. I always find on the show I'm the one that brings up, like, we'll go around the horn about what we liked and didn't like or our wins and fails. And I'll t I tend to go last because I just want to wait out everybody and then get to, oh, what haven't we talked about? Well, I can say <laughs> I can say I like this, and then we'll have a whole conversation about it. So, and I try to keep my fails fun. Like I think my my fail last week was this seven foot ninja that's coming out with Tazawa. I don't mind the Tazawa thing, but just in general, no ninja should be seven feet tall. That's just not sneaky. Ninjas are you know stealthy and sneaky, and if you're seven feet tall, you're a bad ninja. If you're a seven foot tall ninja, you should probably reconsider your life choices. You might want to be the consider basketball. Yeah, or you might want to be that guy perched up in the top of the mountain. So when your other fellow ninjas are sneaking around, you could be the guy with a sniper rifle making sure nobody gets caught. Exactly. You could be sneaky in different ways, but to like be a ninja that's seven feet tall, it just seems so dumb to me. But anyway, that's that, I try and talk about the other things or at least have a little bit of humor on the show. And that's what makes it interesting. And I think that's one of the bright spots of the show is the, the candidness, the humor, the fun. And you can see that the four of you guys you really just have a blast. Oh, yeah. And that's what it's all about. And that's what keeps us fans coming back for more. So from all the fans who watch it and from all my Straight Talk faithful, I want to say thank you, sir. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for watching. All right, guys, that's it for this week's vidcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and like. And, uh, you know, Nug does follow people. I'll be honest with you. He followed me on, on Twitter before I followed him. And I felt oh, like such that. a smack. I, oh, Don't sorry. I'll edit that out. I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doug, you take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. And guys, that's it for me. This is another vidcast and podcast in the can. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George McKay. Peace, love, and wrestling. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.